Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. What's up? Thank you for listening to Rebel Report with Rippy and Colin, the first ever episode of this. Um, recording this on Sunday. Um, hope your Monday is going well. But we just left a rainy Swayze field and came to record a podcast. So what do you call this? This will be something that we improve on as we go, Colin? Yeah, yeah it's a work in progress to us, at least. Work in progress is, is definitely the way to go. So interesting weekend. Um, kind of we'll go over some baseball, some basketball on the show today, kind of the week ahead for Ole Miss and what is a really significant basketball game now for that double bye. Ole Miss goes to South Carolina on Tuesday in a game that Really, I mean, if you look at the standings behind them, like most likely would determine the double buy in the SEC tournament. So if you had Ole Miss and South Carolina playing a game in February pegged as what will determine the fourth seed. Collect your money. Yeah. <laughs> Take that ticket to the window because you probably got pretty good odds on that. So we'll talk some baseball. Ole Miss you know, splits a series with Wright State. The last game gets canceled today. Um, weather delay. Probably should have played a doubleheader yesterday. Probably. But risk they took. Tuesday doesn't look good either against Arkansas State, but we'll go through that. We'll go through Ole Miss's fourth consecutive win, a 75-65 win over Missouri. Lots of stuff today. So, I guess getting started, you want to start baseball or basketball first? Uh, let's start basketball. Okay, so in kind of an interesting day yesterday. So, I I'd stayed at baseball for the entirety of the game. It was a slow-paced game. So, I got to the pavilion about midway through the second half. Um, and, you know, just kind of a glance at the stat sheet, Missouri really struggled. To their credit, Missouri is not good. They don't quit, though. No. Like, even, you saw what, you saw them in, they played Tennessee a couple weeks ago in Rupp, and they were never, like, really in that game, but the lead never ballooned to 20 or anything like right. that. They kind of kept them at arm's length. Ole Miss turns Missouri over 25 times. Kind of a workmanlike effort. Not the greatest night shooting, like you, you mentioned before we, before we started recording, but, I mean, they won a game by double digits when you only got, I think, 35 combined points from the trio of Davis, Tyree, um, and Schuler. So, I don't know. What were your impressions from it? Uh, you know, look, there's sometimes there's games you got to win when you don't play it at your best. That was kind of Ole Miss yesterday. It was hard to get, you know, fired up for a, a struggling 2-8 and eight now Missouri team or whatever, 2-10. and 10. Um, I don't know. It, it's a win that they had to have. It would have been a, a nightmare scenario had they lost, but – Ole Miss was never going to lose that basketball game. They got up at eight in the first half and kind of kept it there. I guess it got under ten late in the second half, but for the most part, Ole Miss kind of dominated a game that most people pegged that they would have have won. Yeah, Missouri stayed at arm's length, but the game never really felt like it hung in the balance at all. Ole Miss got up eight or nine early. It honestly felt like in that in that first half, like Ole Miss probably should have had a bigger lead than it did. Like never could really get it above nine or ten. Missouri kind of hung around. Not a whole lot going for him. That Jordan Geis kid is really good He's though. Ball Twenty three points on nine to sixteen shooting. Really, they didn't have any source of offense in the second half, and he was he was about it. I mean, he he was making tough shots. But today, yesterday was a big picture day for me. Kind of, I was thinking about it from a standpoint is we didn't really we didn't talk to him after their win over Auburn. I didn't go to that game, so you know they win their fourth in a row after they hit that four game slide that kind of eroded their their quick start. So you're sitting at four and four in the league. I, it stuck out to me. Kermit got asked a question after that loss at Mississippi State about 
you know, whether things he thought things were going to spiral, and he kind of dismissed that notion because of the way the team practiced. And he said, you know, if, if my team stops practicing and responding to coaching, that's that's really when things will spiral. We're just in a tough stretch of the season. And I asked him about that yesterday, and he, he kind of gave the same answer. He was like, look, we just hit a tough stretch. They played an Iowa State team that – might win the Big 12. Yeah, they're, they're a Final Four team. They put it all together. Yeah, that offense is really fun to watch. They got five guys that can Space score. It. They pass well. They share the ball well. It's an older team. And then what? You lose to Alabama. Tough night. Kind of got out toughed over there. LSU's going to win the league. Yeah, LSU's going to win the league. You blow a tough one at Florida. That's the one that really felt the miss yeah. like the opportunity. And then you lose a home game against a state team that's more talented than you and been ranked all year. Probably felt like you could have or should have won that game, but, but not a loss that's going to hurt you. So, it was interesting to watch yesterday, and I asked Kermit about that. I asked Brian Tyree about how they've kind of write, written the ship because it's the same team a year ago that was so mentally fragile they couldn't win on the road, and then you know after a couple losses piled up, they just quit. And to watch the same team kind of develop a mental fortitude that's made—I mean, they're they're a good road team. I mean, watch to watch that level of like mental toughness evolve, and then being able to write the ship is. Is almost baffling in some ways. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch uh, if you're an Ole Miss fan because that, that's the thing that it's turned so greatly from years is the mental toughness. Because last year's team at Auburn, when man, you you score sixty points at Auburn last year, you lose by twenty five. That's that's what's kind of funny about this team is they find different ways to win games and they just whatever happens they keep coming like they lose you know the four games in a row fall to four and four and everybody's wondering you know is this team going to collapse miss the tournament that type thing and man they just put it together now look obviously the schedule has gotten a little bit easier from from those four games that they lost but you know that the, to win at Auburn is is no big I mean is no feet to look small at and shorthanded too you're down a starter and you know you're having to play Luis Rodriguez well, and Zach Naylor 15 minutes apiece do, do you think if uh, you told Kermit before the game Blake Henson's not going to play and TD's going to pick up four fouls in six minutes and you're going to score 60 points you think he even goes or I, you, could, you could even add in the fact that hey, DC Davis is going to play more minutes for you tonight than Terrence yeah. Davis. He you think probably he gets on a bus. Like, yeah, he probably would. He probably want to get back on the bus and just go home and, and wave the white flag. But nevertheless, I mean, it was a good Kermit controlled that game better. Yeah. It, it was kind of a game that showed Bruce Pearl had a couple bad lapses. The one at the end of the game Oof. sticks out. What? Ole Miss was up, was it up five? No, well, they were up three. That's they were right. up three, and, and there was 34 seconds on the clock, and Ole Miss got the ball with a 30-second shot clock. So you have to foul, and <laughs> not, they're just apparent, playing. Not to Bruce, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> they they just played the possession out, and, and then they foul inexplicably with 12 seconds left. The so best just, free throw shooter on the team. Yeah, you just eliminated 18 seconds of the game. That was kind of a mental a mental lapse there, but really overall, Kermit did a good job. Is I, you know, I think he saw that they were shorthanded. They weren't doing a ton offensively. What they had six two point field goals, thirteen two in the second half. So he did a good job of you know he walked it up the court. He limited the possessions. They took twenty to twenty five seconds off the shot clock on each possession, and it limited Auburn's chances. Um, and particularly when you have a lead in the second half like that, to kind of junk the game down to a you know walk it up kind of fist fight type of deal was something that played in their favor I thought Kermit did a good job with that but that was really that was a gigantic win for that team and really a gigantic week you put together back-to-back two and a weeks the Auburn win 
really changes the way you look at things, right? Because they were what? They were six and four in conference right. going into that yeah. game. If you lose that game, you're six and five. Obviously it's not a game that hurts you, but you look at it and they they can get to that ten win mark. Which if, is a lot. With no with no slip ups though. Right. Like you have to win every game you're supposed to win and then split a road game in between the two Columbias, either at South Carolina or at Missouri. Or at Arkansas. Yeah, or at Arkansas. So, you know, now you win that and you're seven and four and then you have a you know struggling Missouri team coming in Saturday. That's eight and four. Now you're really gonna have to mess up to not to not get in right. to that ten win threshold. That because ten win was the way the with the way the bubble is gets them in. No question. Oh yeah, and you've already really got nine because they're not losing to Georgia and Oxford. You yeah, I mean? George, that Georgia's Georgia's having a tough year. Although they they, they, they played fought LSU, LSU yesterday. Yeah. I thought they quit. Honestly, I did after, too. After what Green said. Yeah, after those comments, you really just kind of felt like. Like they had packed it in, he's gonna gut the roster. He's still going to. Gut yeah, he's the gonna roster. gut it because they suck. Yeah, but I, I was surprised how they fought. But to your point, they're probably not gonna lose that Georgia game, and then now you're really just kind of winning. I mean, they. I don't think they'll beat Tennessee or Kentucky. Right, I think they might. I mean, Tennessee did look vulnerable yesterday in Rupp. Um, but really, it comes down to beating Georgia at home and then winning one of three road games, and that gets you to 10 wins. But there really is a realistic path to 11 now with oh, where yeah. they're sitting. Well, I mean, if you went Tuesday, you would you would expect 11. Yeah, you would. And that's a big game. I mean, it's it's when you look at the SEC standings, Ole Miss-South Carolina is tied for fourth place. I mean, Alabama's 6-6 six and six behind them. State's 6-6. Six and six. Like, yeah, both of those teams could catch them. Florida, Florida's not catching them. No, but, like, the thing teams. is, like, all of those teams are going to have eight losses. They're going to lose two games. And if, you, if you're if Ole Miss and you went on Tuesday, you're probably not going to lose more than seven games. You, one would think. So, for both of these teams, like, like what does a double bye mean for them? Well, it doesn't mean much for Ole Miss because if you get a double bye, you're in the tournament. Man, the thing what's so crazy about South it means more for South Carolina. South Carolina is going to have to win the SEC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. They've got a 99 net. I mean, they they did nothing in non-conference. They lost to horrible teams, and now they're eight and four in the uh, SEC and trying to screw everybody's uh, tournament chances up. They really are an interesting case, though, because to your point, they did have some bad losses in non-conference play. They were kind of gutted by injuries yeah. early in the year. Now they they seem like they kind of put it together, but I, I think you're right. I don't think there's any way they're going to get in with their numbers. At what do you, what are they sitting in the net? There right were 99 now? going into the weekend. And they have one of the easiest, <coughs> if not the easiest, finish, finishing stretches yeah. um, in conference play. <clears throat> so, yes, that helps from a standpoint that they're going to finish strong, but none of those, like, I'm trying to, I'm about to pull up their schedule. None of their wins going forward like, down the stretch is going to help their numbers. No. To and, a degree that's going to get I don't know if there's there's enough. I mean, they've lost to Tennessee twice. They've lost to Kentucky. I don't think they play Kentucky again. Um, I mean, I don't know if they played Kentucky and Tennessee from here on out and won some of those games, they'd still be able to get in with how bad their non-conference was. If you're pulling up their schedule, see who they lost to in non-con. So they have a loss in their season opener. No, that's sorry. I scrolled <laughs> too far. They lose to Stony Brook by two. Seems bad. Yeah, that's probably not going to help the numbers. Lose to Providence, that's not going to hurt no, you. That, well, decent. Providence sucks this year, though. They're decent, though. Like, that's not going to hurt you. That's not going to kill you from a number set perspective. We lose by 20 against Wofford, although that's a really Wofford's, good Wofford yeah, team. Yeah, they, they won their league yesterday. They uh, they might catch an at-large bid if they slip up in the conference yeah. tournament. Yeah, Which, that SoCon League, Furman would be the one that would kind of steal a bid, right, if they knock off yeah, Wofford yeah, yeah. in that conference tournament. Because Wofford's probably going to get an at-large. The SoCon's a low-key fun league to watch because all, all they do is run and shoot threes. 
Yeah, they do. And they what's that? The, what's the guy? What's the guard's name for Wofford? A storm, oh, I can't remember his name. Storm McGee or something. I don't know. Just shoots a bunch of threes. They're fun to watch. But so South Carolina, the stretch that really killed their season is they lose four games in a row to at Wyoming. Ooh, that's a bad Wyoming team. At Michigan, that's, well, that's whatever. That's understandable. Home against Virginia, yeah, whatever. And then they lose the game against Clemson that I believe was in. Yeah, that game was in Columbia. So. Three of those four losses don't hurt you, but did you see that clip earlier this year of somebody asking um, Frank Martin about them scheduling non-conference yeah. soft? That doesn't seem soft. They no, Virginia, no. Michigan, and Clemson in a row. Well, I think what they were asking was, uh, do you regret not scheduling soft? Because he had been you know, decimated. Not decimated, that's not the right word, but he had, they had gotten on him for scheduling soft in the non-con, and now he doesn't, and it's going to cost him NCAA tournament bid because if he plays nobodies, he's in the tournament. Yeah, so... Flipping back to an old Miss perspective, what does the double buy mean for them? Probably not <laughs> a lot, but it's the sheer optics, right, of them finishing fourth in the league right. when they really, I mean, everyone's mind had zero business. Oh, I mean, you pre- projected 14th and you finished fourth. I mean, it's you can't get much better than that. Um, but, you know, if, if Ole Miss is the number four seed in the NCAA tournament or in the SEC tournament, they have nothing to play for. Like I guess you could improve a seed line maybe, but you're in the tournament. When's the last time Ole Miss went to Nashville or wherever the SEC tournament is and was in the tournament? I was actually thinking about this the other day. So it had to be under Barnes. Well, fifth. What? Well, I guess technically you were in the tournament in 15, but no Ole Miss fan believed that when Snoop fouled homeboy. Yeah, I was about to say that. So they they what? They were one of the last. They were the in? fourth to last team in. And you go and you lose the opening game to South Carolina, right? Who who fouled? They, they Snoop. <laughs> Four-point play in the game. That was one of the more. Well, Jarvis hits the it, uh, Jarvis hits the four-point play and puts him up one. And Snoop fouls the guy with like .5 seconds left at half court. Look, say what you want about Andy Kennedy and his tenure. For, but I will say one thing that sticks out is I don't know. He seems to – this sounds dumb, but he seems to recruit kids. They found more jump shooters than anybody I've ever seen. And that game's kind of the epitome of it. But Snoop found him in half court. I was about ready to throw something. But you're right. There really hasn't been a year, I guess, since Barnes's Sweet 16 team that was really – I mean, that was a lot of holdovers Yeah. Um, talent-wise from Rob Evans. But, yeah, there hasn't been – I mean, I, I can't think of it. Because 13, they were certainly not No, they in. were not in. No, they were in when they played the SEC tournament title game. But they were probably going to Dayton, and but when they when they if they had lost to Missouri on that first night, um, they don't make the tournament. And Andy Kennedy doesn't coach past that day. Yeah, that there's Jerry always Millie a House. debate about whether he would have gotten another year. He there's, wouldn't have. There's some people that think he would. You know, I think kind of private. He kind of got a somewhat public vote of confidence, but you, you never really know after those things. And Derek Millinghouse probably saved things for him that Friday night <laughs> shot against Missouri. But of all so, people. Yeah, a double buy. I mean, it's 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 more of a an, an accomplishment thing than it does anything to help their resume or anything like that. Because, like you said, if if you're the four seed, you're you're in the tournament, right? And I don't think I don't think at this point they're going to Nashville sweating. At the beginning no. of this week, I did though. Yeah, um, you know that. Well, Aub- I didn't expect them to beat Auburn. Right, that Auburn win just kind of shows how the dynamics of everything changed so dramatically because you went to from yeah, you have a puncher's chance of getting in the tournament and getting to ten wins. If you do everything you're supposed to do with no slip ups to where you win the Auburn game and now it swings all the way to, okay, wow, they're they're going to have to slip up pretty 
pretty significantly to not get well, in. The thing is, too, like you don't want to do this if you're Ole Miss, but you could win that Georgia game and lose every other game and still have a pretty decent shot. Nine and nine, yeah, I, probably. But you're sweating it a little bit. Yeah, you're bit, sweating at that point. With as soft as the bubble is, I think it gets you in. But it's it really has been remarkable to watch because they're a good road team. They're well, four and two in true road games, and that includes the Florida debacle where, you know, you're a twenty five footer in wow. games management things away from you know, being five and one in true road games. Yeah. And so that's why I kind of think when they if they get into the tournament, they're kind of set up to win in it. Yeah, they got good guard play. They do, and guards obviously win the, in March. As the cliche goes, guards win in March, but they they're tough. I mean, Bree and Tyree, dynamic score, one of the best mid range games in college basketball. You're good athlete, and Terrence Davis. You know, if he's playing under control defensively, Ole Miss is really good. You know, when he's not and he's entangled in foul trouble, it becomes harder. And then, obviously, the, the anchor of the entire team is Devontae Shuler at point guard because him being able to play the point well allows them to do so many things late I, in games. It's funny. I think, he, you know, as good as Brian and, and TD are, I think he might be the MVP of this team because without him, I don't know what they do. Well, he's the most irreplaceable yeah. piece because if he gets hurt, and that's why, you know, them monitoring that stress fracture. In his how do you, how you think reaction. that is? He looked a lot healthier this week. He's looked healthier than he has in, in, in a month. And But I think it's one of the – I think that thing is one of those things where obviously it's a wear and tear injury. So I think it's like there's a game where it flares up. Because, like, what, he looked pretty healthy at Florida, and then they had the Mississippi State game, he and he's kind of limping around a little bit. So I think it's a it's a kind of game-by-game thing as far as, as far as his pain tolerance and them keeping him off his feet and the treatment he gets. But – Throughout the week, but yeah, to to your point, I think he I think he looked as healthy as he has in about a month, and you know this was about the time when he was originally diagnosed with it that they thought they could put it behind right. him. It was a three to five week thing if they kept him off his feet for a while, and and kind of you know he's in a walking boot, he's getting treatment, he's very limited in practice. This was about the time Kermit Davis envisioned it going away if things went well. So we'll probably get an update on it that Monday before they go to South Carolina, but. You know, I'm thinking that's kind of getting put in the rear view a little bit, but you know, back to what we were saying, he is the most irreplaceable piece because when he's out of the game and Brian has to play point guard and it's only Terrence on the wing, it just limits what they do offensively. And you can tell when he goes out of the game and Brian's on the ball, their offense looks totally different and well, not not dribble. in a good way. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Brian's a great player, but his ball handling skills are not the best in the world. Um, you know, and Schuler. Schuler turns it over a little bit too much for my liking, but he runs the offense in such a way that it's okay. Well, and it's it just it's it's the it's the idea of it stretches teams out more when you have to worry about Brian on the wing and Terrence on right. the opposite wing. There's only so much they can do to combat that. And then, really, the key for this team overall, as to far as where their ceiling is and where they're going to go, is what they get from Bruce and Dom on a nightly basis. Wow, Bruce has come on, hadn't he? Yeah, but how are you? Like it, it's it's a it's a it's a give and take thing because. You know, he's. I think. I think Kermit would. Kermit would never probably say this publicly, but I think he's probably the most frustrating player in Kermit's <laughs> mind on the team because how do you get that? And I've asked Kermit this two or three times this year, and he's kind of looked at me like, you know, if I knew the answer to that, you I think I'd we, do it. Yeah, we, we'd probably be in better shape. But how do you get Bruce to do that on a nightly basis? If you get the Bruce that gets nine rebounds at Georgia, or you get the Bruce that gives you what he did yesterday shooting the ball, they're an entirely different team. Because particularly when Ole Miss goes small. And an opposing five draws Bruce as a defensive assignment. His ability to stretch it and shoot it puts teams in a bad spot. Yep. That's a really tough matchup. But 
when he's bad and they're bad inside and giving teams extra possessions on the glass, you see results like you saw against Mississippi State and against Alabama a couple weeks ago. So that's really they that team is going to go as far as those two let them go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bruce, if he plays like he has the past three games, you know, Ole Miss can what, – what, i tell you, let's say this. What is Ole Miss's uh, ceiling as far as a seed potential? Five? I mean, you go 11-7, and seven, wins over Auburn, at State, Baylor. Um, trying to think, you know, any other big wins. They're a 7-8 right now. Yeah. Right, maybe a nine. Well, I th- see, I think they're a little bit better than that because there were seven. There were eight coming into this week. You know, according to, to Palm and and uh, what's the other guy, Lenardi. And I, I would think they move up a little bit. So eleven wins. You're probably at a six, six. depending on what happens around you. Yeah, five's probably the ceiling. Yeah. Um. You know, if lightning strikes and they finish what thirteen and five, six and zero down the stretch of thirteen I mean, five. Yeah. Then you're talking top three, top four. Obviously, that's not not very realistic with, no. with Kentucky and and Tennessee coming through. But yeah, so I, I think I think five is probably the ceiling. I think they land somewhere in the seven, eight, I do too. eight range. You, you want to avoid probably that prefer to be a seven yeah, or a ten though, right? You don't I, want to be in that eight nine range. Yeah, you don't need Bruce out there trying to guard Zion. Yeah, if you're if you're old Miss, you do not like drawing a one seed in the round of thirty two should you win the eight nine matchup like, is less it's than it's funny ideal. how far off like the ones from the twos are like Kansas versus Duke is is not even comparable. Like you would play Kansas ten out of ten. There are four or five really good teams in college basketball this year and then just kind of a bunch of teams that have moments, it seems like. Because it's like you said, Kansas has been, you know, all kinds of adversity with Ooh. injuries, you know, suspending LeGerald Vick. You know, oh, is he suspended? Yes, yeah, suspended he was indefinitely. No. Huh. Um, so you have teams like that. You have Purdue where it's kind of like, you know, when they're playing well and Carson Edwards is hitting shots, it's like, man, they're really good. But then you I, can they win three games in the tournament and play that consistently? I don't know. So to your point, you know, getting out of that 8-9 would, would probably be ideal for Ole Miss. But it's it's remarkable because I I, I mean, no one could have – I wrote this yesterday. No one could have predicted they would be 8-4 and four at this point. No. In the season, I with mean, the, the way the league is, even the biggest like Ole Miss fan was probably hoping for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. They didn't think they'd have it wrapped up in February. But I mean, outside the three guards, you look at what else they're bringing back. And granted, you probably didn't think you were going to get the level of play you're getting from Henson and Buffett immediately. No. But like there was just like I remember we were on the show back in November, and Richard was asking me to kind of give a realistic win total or a realistic ceiling. And like I said, seven. But then when I'm, you know, seven SEC wins, right? And more and more, I started thinking about it. When you, with, with what you thought the, the league hell was going to be, I was like, how do, you, how is there a path to seven when you look at the schedule? <laughs> so, really, really, just remarkable what they've, what they've been able to do. And you know, I mean, if they, if they get into the tournament, who has a better case for SEC Coach of the Year other than Will Wade? Well, I was going to say Barnes, but I mean, Barnes doesn't have a top 100 uh, recruit on his team. He's the number one team in the country. I, I don't disagree with that, but they were they were good last year, and I they think were. people thought they were going to be good this year. Yeah, they did, they did. I just I think Rick Barnes is one of the best coaches in the country. But no, you could I, I would if I was voting, I would vote for Kermit. I could just understand why someone would vote for uh, Wade or or Barnes. Although I think I could take Wade's kids and and be pretty good myself. Yeah, that's the thing is that, and that's what not to L- not to discredit him. That's but. what LSU's shown this week though. That win in Rupp is okay. They they can play with anybody. Yeah. They're going to be a trendy Final Four pick amongst most <laughs> good people. Good luck with that in March. Because they were the single, they're, I think they're the single most athletic team in the SEC. I think they're the most athletic team in the country, not named Duke. Yep. 
I, I think they are. And I, I was actually talking with someone uh, about that last night. We were watching, I think the Duke game was on. They were playing NC State. And, like, yes, Duke is a heavy favorite. I mean, Vegas reflects that, obviously. Like, everyone thinks they're the heavy favorite going in. But you want to talk about a team that can match up with them athletically for one night? Yeah, Nas Reed, on, Nas Reed on Zion? Like, that. that's not a... Yeah, he's not gonna get killed. Honestly, I kind of need that matchup. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Nas Reed's a baller, man. And then Trey, I mean, having Traymont Waters, yeah. to, to kind of counteract now, that. In Trey the Jones could kind of shut him down. I think a little bit. I don't know, man. It's Trey, Trey Jones is a great defender, but but is there anybody that can keep Waters keep in front, front of him? Like he can go where he wants when he wants on the floor. It's crazy, he's five ten. I know it's it's something, but so yeah. Outside of Will Wade, yep, yeah, I, I agree with Rick Barnes. But Kermit's definitely going to be in consideration oh, for Coach of the Year if he gets this team to the tournament. Um, I guess switching gears a little bit, we'll we'll kind of shift to baseball, and which was a really a bizarre week opening weekend <laughs> for the team to say the least, right? I mean, they played pretty well on Friday. I guess we'll start there. Okay. So they get the ten one win on Friday. Etheridge looked pretty good. Um. His velocity was up. He was at yeah. 94, 95. This is not good weather either. No, not good weather. Um, I think you texted me during the game. He wasn't getting a lot of swing and misses. I think early in the game he was trying to find that slider, yeah. and I think he kind of found a better command of it as the game went on. He finishes, what, five strikeouts, two walks, five and two thirds. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, no earned runs, four hits. Um, exits the game with two outs in the fifth with a blister on his finger. That's Probably more of a precautionary thing. Opening day, he's at 82 pitches. You you had Austin Miller up in the bullpen. There was really no reason for him to continue. No, I, I thought Will was good um, for what you want out of. I don't think Will is going to be. Um, you know, I think Will's a really good Friday night guy. I just don't think he's going to be the overwhelming ace uh, on this team. Or I don't think he's going to be an overwhelming ace like Ole Miss may have had. You know, with Wall or Pomerantz. <laughs> I think he's more of a, a Chris Ellis type guy. Uh, maybe he's probably a little better than Brady Bramlett. But, you know, I, I think he's going to be a guy that Ole Miss trots out there on Friday nights and, and has confidence in him that he's going to win the baseball game because the guy is just a bulldog, uh, pardon the pun, on the mound. And and I think he kind of showed that on Friday. You know, he had a 26 pitch. I think it was 26 pitches in the first inning. 29. 29. And then just mows them down after that. Um, so, yeah, I thought Will was really good on Friday night. And I think he's going to be a guy. I, I don't foresee him coming out of the Friday night role all year for, for Ole Miss. And if he does, that's a problem. But I think he's going to be the guy that kind of stabilizes that rotation. You don't think he stays on Friday night? No, no, no. I said I expect him to stay uh, on Friday. I don't think he comes out of that role. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I agree <laughs> with your point that, yes, because like on the, on the SEC on Friday nights, you, were, you, you run into so many guys with elite arm talent, yeah. elite stuff, and kind of have that like FU mentality, a little yeah. bit of nastiness to them that are kind of, you know. And, but, the, but the league, too, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. The league – from an arms perspective, I don't want to call it down, but there's not a ton of elite level like no. starting pitching. Uh, the kid at Auburn, I can't, can't remember, Burns, Tanner yeah. Burns, he's really, really good. Uh, Dyson at Florida, and then Vanderbilt has approximately 1,100 arms. Yeah, of course. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's not a – and Kentucky's got a guy in Seville that's really good. But other than that, it's not a uh, you know deep league from a pitching perspective. No, from a, from a top-shelf Friday night starter arm talent is not – but it, it, it's loaded with position players. And it's not like yeah. the pitching's down. You're always going to see elite pitching in the SEC. But from, you know, I mean, last year you had so many, whether it was Rollison or Mize or Singer. Yeah, or Singer. I mean, it seemed like, you know, every team that was contending had a, you know, top draft pick going for them on Friday night. So, yeah. And then the, I thought the offense looked pretty good on Friday. I mean, 
you know, they, they caught some breaks from, from <clears throat> right states in aptitude to a bit. But I, I don't know. I thought from an offensive standpoint, this one, well, Cooper Johnson had three hits. You know, That was huge. It's kind of a wait-and-see thing with him because you remember last year he kind of did the same thing on well, opening day, and I think he had like three hits over the next five weeks yeah, or something like Cooper's that. Cooper's offense is never going to be like the big topic of discussion. You know, it's it's like, does he catch the ball? If he catches the ball, then Cooper's going to play. And I think, you know, I thought he was really good defensively this weekend. Yeah, I thought he was too, and that's really the main issue. He's had receiving issues in the past. The pop time, the arm, all of I'm that's sorry. always been there. I mean, it's always great, but he's had defensive issues in the past. He's had pass ball issues. He's had some receiving issues, and which is surprising because he came in with, with such a great defensive reputation. And a lot of that is well-earned because he does think sometimes you're like, you know, that's an elite-level block or stab or throw or whatever it is, but then there are other times where, you know, it's like how does that ball get by you? Yeah, I mean, Cooper does so much from a uh, throwing perspective. Because he, I mean, I've said this before, when somebody gets on first base and Cooper's behind the plate, as long as he's catching the ball, the pitcher's not having to worry about him. Because if he runs, he's going to go back to the dugout. And and that that takes so much off pitchers to not have to worry about a guy being on first base. And it was good to, it was good to see him have some success offensively because at times over his career he's struggled on offense. And I feel like that's kind of you know going into his defensive game at times. So if he's you know if he's producing at an okay level offensively and that helps his defense, then Ole Miss is going to be better for that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So from a Say what you want about batting average being reflective of a hitter, but just for simplicity standpoint, what does he need to hit for him to justify playing behind the plate every day? Uh, two two ten. Yeah, like, I mean it's it's not even above the Mendoza line, right? If, as long as he's playing well defensively, he does not have to hit. You know, and I, I, you know if you follow me, I'm a big saber metric person, so I, I, a run saved is the same as a run driven in. Um, so as long as he's playing well on defense, he's going to give you he's going to save runs, so he needs to play. Yeah, and then Keenan hits a home run. Struggled um, kind of past that. What? what? He kind of struggled past that on the weekend. He did. Um, but I tell you what, Cooper and Keenan's home run. Whoo! Ball didn't carry out to center field very well at Swayze. And it was coming like, in. The wind was blowing in. Yeah, you 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 got to put a charge into one to get it out there, and they, they they both did. So you score ten runs. They felt pretty good about themselves after the first day. I thought Austin Miller was really really that good out too. of the pen. Super efficient. Um, I, I kind of asked him after the game, uh, we, you know, what he thought his role was going to be. Obviously, it's it's the first game, but right. I asked if, if Long kind of extended relief like that was something he envisioned. He said, "Yeah, he got some spot starts um, in the inner squads, but this is kind of what he envisioned. What he goes three and two thirds." Uh, yeah. Well, Will went five point two. She so went three point one. Yeah, three point one. Um, I thought he was good. I thought yeah, he was I thought he was really good. He's got a. It seems like he's got good stuff. The Big bo- tall kid throws pretty hard. I mean, I, I think he's going to give have a role for Ole Miss this year. And then kind of switching gears to Saturday, Oof. things Ole Miss did not play well in those. There first was no meetings. energy on Saturday. None. Yeah, and they didn't play well behind Zach Phillips defensively. I actually, didn't I didn't think, think he, he was as bad, bad as numbers as his numbers. I thought he was better than his numbers showed. Yeah, he. You know, you have the two error first inning. One of them is on him. He thought he still contended he got the he bag. He did get the bag. It did not? No, he did. Okay, so he I, got the I bag. didn't see the replay. Yeah, I, I was, was watching. Uh, he got the bag. So you have that. So you had the error on the cast. You had Kessinger error on a ground ball. You had Phillips missing the bag, although he thought he hit the bag on a on a tweener between the mound and first. It leads to an unearned run, but he gets out of the inning. And then. I, like you said, I didn't think he pitched bad. He had some capper hits off the end of the yeah. bat, some soft contact where he kind of got unlucky. The command slipped in the third inning, and that was kind of his demise. When they put up three in the third, he exits. Um, 
He exits pretty quickly, kind of a rough day. He said after the game, it's one of those that he just kind of is going to shake off and kind of get back to the next one. But to your point, I didn't think he was bad. He wasn't great. He certainly could have been sharper. He contributed to his own demise, but defense wasn't great behind him, and he fell victim to some soft contact. He did. Now, what I what kind of baffled me on, on Saturday was not going to Max Trophy immediately. Um, you know, putting, Maxwell Trophy. Maxwell Trophy. Okay, if you say so. Because um, he was really good on Saturday. He was really good on Saturday, and he kind of keeps Ole Miss in that game if they put him in immediately. And instead, they go to Taylor Broadway, a JUCO kid that that struggled. I mean, you know, I talked about. I said I didn't think uh, Phillips was as bad as his numbers. I thought Broadway kind of. I thought he was. Um, so you know, that kind of Ole Miss kind of got out of the game at that point when they fell behind eight nothing. Yeah, because it, it five, when you bring Broadway in, what is it four nothing or five nothing? I think Broadway, it's four, and they got the bases like loaded or something. I can't remember. But yeah, to, to your point, you know, if if, if Trophy comes in there and stabilizes it immediately, you give them a chance to crawl back in the game. But eight nothing, pretty large hole to crawl out of, even with Ole Miss's offense, and that's kind of what Mike said. But on the flip side of things, the offense contributed to the position they were in a little bit too, yeah. because. Their plate approach those first four innings was, we'll call it suboptimal. Well, the uh, the kid from Wright State was good. He was. He was. He was not a uh, Horizon League arm. Um, he was a left-hander that had a really good breaking ball, and he kept Ole Miss off balance. And he was. He was. He gave Ole Miss's lefties fits. And so, yeah, the plate approach wasn't great, and you're going to see much much better arms in SEC. But uh, that that kid was pretty good for them. Yeah, he was. But you know, I mean, he wasn't a right fielder from Tennessee Tech. It, but they seemed like they helped him out. They swung at some bad oh, pitches. Yeah. The what the Elko one stuck out. He gets up three zero. He, he had the green light on three zero and swung at a what appeared to be a breaking ball that was not a great. Yeah, pitch. which I'm fine with three zero green lights, but you can't swing at a breaking ball. Yeah, and so that what what was the I, I forget the situation. It was like first and second two outs, and they gave him a green light on three zero, and which I'm fine with because Elko can hit it to the moon, but. You can't swing at something at your knees, you know, like that. And he he grounds out second base and kills the kills any momentum. Yeah, and they have the they have the three run fifth. They, I mean, crawled back into it a little bit. Eight three. Dillard hits one that to the moon. Yeah, that thing might not have landed yet. He got all that, and it was funny because he missed a fastball the pitch before, and you could see him get visibly frustrated yeah. at himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of let out a yell and like kind of clinched. And then the next pitch he did not miss. Yeah, if you're the pitcher there and the guy yells because he just missed a fastball, my advice would be to not throw yeah, another one. I don't want to throw him another one, but he does. Dillard puts it in the seats. But like we said earlier, the 8 nothing hole was too much to overcome. And so jury's still out on Phillips, right? You want to see another oh, yeah. start. I mean, yeah. Don't overreact to one star. No, of course, it's two games. I didn't mean that in the sense that you're thinking about switching up the rotation already. I meant no. in the sense that, like, that was not enough for me to pass any sort of even marginal, I guess, kind of judgment on No, him. his velo was down from the inner squads. I mean, it's... That was the most concerning thing to yeah. me, is that he wasn't really even touching 90 on no. some of those fastballs. No, the weather, again, was awful, and it, the velo is going to go up. But, no, he, his velo being down was a little bit of concern. But, no, you give him another chance next weekend at, uh, in New Orleans. Also, obviously, Sunday gets rained out. The Gunnar Hoagland debut will have to wait another I wonder, week. I wonder if he goes Tuesday. You know, that's interesting. I was thinking about that leaving the stadium because I, have, I haven't heard an update on Raw since Mike gave one Friday. Obviously, non-throwing shoulder, he's throwing off the mound. You wonder what his status is if Mike holds him out as a precautionary. But, yeah, do you do do you go Nikhazy or do you let Hoagland throw just to get a start under him? I would, I would throw Ho- Hoagland or Hoagland. I don't know, which one is it? 
I think it's Hoagland. I'm pretty. Yeah, okay. it's uh, Hoagland is okay. what I've I, heard. At least I've heard both. So uh, we'll go Hoagland. Um, I would go with him Tuesday because I think he could go Sunday in New Orleans if you needed him to, or if you wanted to. I mean, he could throw two or three innings. I don't think you want him his first you know college baseball start to be on the road if you don't have to. So if and no, I don't know if they're going to play Tuesday. Tuesday looks just as bad. Hundred percent chance of rain. And seems, I'm not a meteorologist, but that seems tough. Well, there was a hundred percent chance of rain today, and almost decided they were going to play. So. We the ex- explanation we were given on Friday is that Saturday will not be a doubleheader because the rain was supposed to move out by the morning. Um, the it's rain not. did not move out by the morning. Um, <laughs> I can attest to that. So, you know, weird weekend. They get a split. You know, don't play the third game. So, let's go real quick through. Give me two of your biggest impressions of the weekend, and I'll throw in two. Uh, Thomas Dillard is going to be the best hitter on this team. It's not going to be close. Um, it, it's a crime that he continues to hit in the four spot of the order if he does. Um, Ole Miss is robbing him of at-bats. Um, and Cooper Johnson was really good, and and that doesn't need to be understated. He was really good at the plate. He was really good defensively. And, um, you know, that's, that's big for Ole Miss. Ole Miss needs him badly. Yeah, so I was going to go Johnson, too. He's a kid – that works really, really hard. Yeah. You can tell he's very hard on himself, and I think that's been the problem with him at the plate in the past is he presses so yeah. much that, you know, he, he'll let a string of bad at-bats get to him. And, you know, what he had that stretch for, I think, it was somewhere 6 of 52 freshman Ooh, year, which, yeah, honestly, bad. he pulled his average up to, like, 215 or something by the end of that Because he hit, which, like, 400 at the end. Yeah. yeah, which is honestly an impressive feat. So a kid that's worked hard on his hitting, you know, defense, you always think is going to be there if he can kind of shore up some of the receiving issues. He was good. And the other one for me was outside of Broadway, the three guys they pulled out of the pen were pretty good. As yeah. you mentioned, Trophy was pretty good. Uh, Maxwell, my man. Which <laughs> They put that in the media guide one year. Um, I'm pretty sure he goes by Max, but they put that as his name in the media guide, so I'm sticking with it until he tells me to stop. <laughs> Maxwell Antonio Trophy. Is, um, that, is that his name? That is his name. So okay. that's what I'm going with until someone tells me. Well, he's from Chicago, so I wouldn't screw with him if you don't want to be screwed <laughs> with. And then, obviously, Austin Miller really good. And then I thought they threw Caleb Hill for the last two in yeah. that game. He gives up the run in the ninth, but he showed pretty good stuff. And not bad for your first collegiate. Going to be appearance. really good. Yeah. Lefty. And then, and if he's a kid that ends up coming out of the pen, having having him back there gives you, obviously, already more left-handed options out of the pen than you had a year ago. Yeah. Well, that's more than none. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I think Caleb Hill is going to be the best pitcher in that class, including Gunnar Hogland. I mean, he's got better stuff. Hogland's just got pinpoint accuracy. Uh, I think if Caleb Hill puts it together, he's a uh, – I think he could be one of the best pitchers that comes through. He's left-handed, throws 92-94, the filthy slaughter. I mean, <laughs> I, he looked really good on Saturday. You know, like you mentioned, he gave up a run, but who cares? So, uh, but, yeah, I thought I thought he was really good. So, big picture with this team, obviously the, the, it's, been well, it's been well documented. The dynamic of this team is interesting because from – I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but from a success perspective, the – the amount of success they have in the regular season doesn't matter. Is not going. Yeah, I mean, we'll just call yeah, it. Just it's not necessarily it going to matter. Obviously, if they struggle in the regular season, that matters because you know a team with this much talent. If you should, end up at a two seed, no, they should not be going on the road. But everybody and and this isn't fair, but uh, the world's not fair. Nobody's going to care till June. Um, after after the way things ended last year, I mean, it's uh, it's a show me mentality, you know, with this fan base. And again, I don't really know if that's fair or not, but. It's not going to matter till you get four teams in a regional here in June, and uh, Ole Miss, for from their fan base perspective, they they need to be the team that's standing when that thing ends. Yes, and to and to, and to be clear, 
when you say don't care, it's not a no one's coming to the games. Thing. No, no, it's a, not at all. It's a struggle to fully buy into the team because which is which, like you said, is not fair because this is. I mean, is it? Is this the most talent Mike's ever had on a team? This is I the, would lean yes. This is the most talented Ole Miss athletic team since integration. Okay, you're going to go that far. Well, I mean, just, na- na- name one butter. I, I'd have to go back and look through. But but we're kind of saying two different versions of the same thing. I think <laughs> yeah. this is the most talent Mike has had on a team, which, you know, like you said, a little unfair because, you know, it, it, the way last year ended and the sour taste that it left in a lot of people's mouths – you know, it's going to be kind of a show me in June type of thing. So they're going to fight that all year. But from a roster standpoint, they're not really missing anything. There's missing nothing. I mean, other than what we discussed earlier, the dominant Friday, Friday night, night guy. guy. And like, not that's not to say Will Etheridge is not going to be a good Friday night. No, but he is. I mean, it's just the dominant Ryan Rollison type guy on Friday night is really the only thing. I mean... It appears there's more than enough in the cupboard for most bullpen roles to flesh themselves the out. Offense is going to be elite. Yeah, you're obviously the offense is always going to be there. You know, you got Caracy at the back end. If, if he can you kinda, hate to not get him in this weekend. Yeah, I wanted to see what because his velocity had been a little bit down in the inner squad. That's always a fickle thing with the weather yeah, this time of year so and things cold. like that. So, you, but you, I would I was kind of wanting to see kind of what that looked like. Um, so yeah, you probably wanted to get him in this year. So yeah, I mean this team is not. They're not missing a whole lot. And no. so, you know, it, it's... They're better than last year. I mean, from my own paper perspective, they're, they're a better team than last year. Everybody talks about the rotation and, oh, you lost all three guys. Those three guys didn't give you great numbers last year. Like, Ron Rollison was not the best Friday night arm in this league, and Ole Miss can certainly look... I like James MacArthur as a person. He's a good dude. Gunnar Hogland's a better pitcher than James MacArthur. Um, I think Ole Miss may be below where they were last year on Saturdays. I think Feigl was really good. Um, but you know, on Friday and Sundays, I think Ole Miss might be. I think they're going to be equal on Fridays, and I think they're going to be a lot better on Sundays this year. Yeah, and the thing is, is 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 even if Phillips struggles, which I, I like you said, way too early to talk about all that. But the the thing about this team that makes it so strong is the depth. Yeah, I mean, it's, say he does struggle, or, or God forbid, you have an injury. It's Roth, Nikhazy, Hill. Hill. I mean, it's two, three more guys, and that you're 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 talking about. I mean, Fowl- Holston and Jordan Fowler. Yeah, they're still on the roster. Yeah, I mean, you're talking. They they struggled in the fall and spring, but particularly Holston, and and that was actually a little bit surprising on media day. That was as kind of straight up as as Mike's, answered, Mike's ever yeah. been about someone. You know, particularly a pitcher struggling. I mean, so yeah, you have that much depth to where those two guys who played significant roles and have you know they're. You know, since they've stepped on campus, kind of is is afterthoughts in some ways. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of block out the noise. Is so cliche, but fight that the, the reality of the fact well, that you know it's going to take people a while to buy in. Everybody talks about you know, uh, you know, from a fan perspective, all they're waiting for is June. Well, hell, that's hard to fight from a player perspective. Like they might like they're, they're probably all they're waiting for is June. Yes, you know? there's there's going to be they're going it's going to be it, it's. This is a this is not the greatest example, but from a to your point, from a complacency and a boredom perspective, it's going to be like the Warriors in some senses, right? To where they've already been to kind of the summit or whatever, and it, it's going to the the regular season to them is going to it's going to be a struggle to it not become mundane. I guess oh, yeah. is what I'm saying. I know I'm betting against them in the SEC tournament because you know, I don't know why they would be there. Because you know if they're the two seed this year, I don't know why you would extend yourself like you did last year to win another SEC tournament title when, you know, the next week is all that matters. 
Yeah, this is the kind of stuff you're going to get on this podcast. I make a terrible comparison to a college baseball team to the uh, Golden State Warriors. But hopefully <laughs> and I talk po- about betting the SEC baseball tournament. <laughs> hopefully the hopefully the point got across is is they <laughs> but you're right. They they're they're going to have to they're going to struggle a little bit with with battling complacency and, and getting ready to because like you said there's the only way to rectify what they did last year is going to be do the opposite of what they did at the same time and that's three months away what what constitutes a success for this team see i talked i was doing a story on on holt purds right, it was really good go read that by the way yeah appreciate it. it's on supertalk.fm uh it's kind of reconstructing Holt Stock's pinch hit double in the 2014 that that hit really kind of changed the perception of a program and got into Omaha but point being I talked to Cliff Goldwyn earlier in the week and like your goal as a team is to get to supers right because yeah. supers are a crap you 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 play a you know 58 game season plus whatever you've played to get to that point to two out of three yeah it's screwy I mean you've seen it Countless times. I mean, you saw a really good state team a couple years ago run into Bobby Dahlbeck's arm. <laughs> and, and bat. Yeah. And, and they, I mean, you've seen it the other way around. And you see state last year where they get hot, they go to the regional. They probably – did they really have any business winning at that Well, event? Mike I mean, Martin left a kid in that was I'm throwing the, 120 pitches after a three-hour rain delay. So, no, they had no business winning. Well, that. that's true. Full credit to them for getting out of the regional. I'm talking about the Vandy Super. Uh, they. I mean, they was two equal teams. Yeah. I mean – uh, Probably a little fortunate they were drawing Vandy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't, you didn't want to play, you know, uh, Oregon State, but uh, you know, I thought Vandy and State were two equal teams, and, and State won in three games. They, Vandy had every opportunity to win that series. But back to what we were talking about is like it, it's, 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 it's that's an interesting question because what constitutes the success for this team? I think it's getting us to a super. You cannot lose another home home regional. Yes, no, no, that's absolutely out of the question. You do that, and that that's that is a really, really, really tough look. You got to look yourself in the mirror at that point. I, and look, just for future notice, I don't think they will. I, I think this team plays in the super regional this year. Don't don't ask me to project a, how a two of three game series goes in June and February, but I do think this team is too good to lose in a regional this year. And fairly or unfairly, I think it's going to matter how they lose the super. What does that look like? Is it another you win game one at home and then, whew. And then you lose two. Is it you know you you lose a this third program, game on the road or something like this that? This program I mean, needs to win a super regional in Oxford. So, but that that's kind of what this is, right? Like it's 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 getting to a super, and it almost depends how you lose the super as to whether it gauges its success. But and honestly, I think in the in the minds of of a fan base that's kind of been scarred, it's it's. Yeah. I think most people in the fan base would probably tell you they got to get to Omaha, and yeah. There's some merit to that, but that's also a bit. I mean, it's kind of an unfair. It's hard to make the elite eight, man. It is very hard. Like, uh, you know, people don't gauge it like that in basketball. They they don't they don't have such a gauge in between the Sweet Sixteen and the and the Elite Eight. And I get it; it's different, you know, with the College World Series. But man, to uh, get to the Elite, their uh, Sweet Sixteen as many times as Ole Miss has in college baseball, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it by the fan base. And I get it; like, it's losing Super Regionals at home is hard. I, I assure you, I get it. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting, you know. Obviously, they have to play well over the next three and a half months because you don't want to go on the road to a regional. Um, that's you know, the, obviously the goal is to make somebody come to Oxford and beat you, and as been shown, that can happen. But it's a lot harder to do than uh, than it's it's really hard to come and win a uh, a road regional at a, at a place like Ole Miss. Um, you know, even though Tennessee Tech did a lot did it last year. So I think that's about all we had today. We went pretty long this is going to be like we said a feeling out process we hope thank you for listening and hope you'll stick with us we'll kind of 
you know, the beauty of this thing is we're kind of going to be able to to have some creative freedom and kind of do some do a lot of things that we like to do and talk about things we like to do. So we'll kind of come up with some ideas for segments and things like that. I think this could potentially be a pretty cool thing. So stick with us. We'll promise it'll be better going forward. <laughs> uh, work in progress. But thank you for listening. And we will be doing this Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we'll be okay. dropping this three days a week to start. So we'll be back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening and have a good rest of your day. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.